0: As we heard from that passage uh, from Ecclesiastes, everything is meaningless. So let me ask you just to think um, think about a question or two. What is life all about? If someone was to ask you, what is life all about? Is life meaningless, meaningless, a chasing after the wind? Or is life a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing? What is life all about? Does it have a purpose? Nope, no purpose. Okay. Um, (laughs) Let me ask you a different question. Does your life have a meaning and a purpose? Just take a couple of seconds to think about that. Does your life have a meaning and a purpose? What are your goals? What are your aims? What are your ambitions? Is your aim to achieve great things, to become famous, popular, admired, is it to have as much fun as you can for as long as you can, is that your aim? Is it to have a good job, to get promoted, to earn as much money as you can? Is it to get married, have children, go on fun-filled family holidays? Is it to make sure that your children have the best education they can get? Is it to buy a house, to build an extension, to buy a bigger house? Is it to save money, to have a substantial investment portfolio? Is it to make sure that you have a comfortable retirement? Is it to stay fit and healthy for as long as you can? Is it to provide for your loved ones after you die? Is it to be remembered? What are your aims? What are your goals? What are your ambitions? You know, many of these goals, aims, and ambitions are good. But when you stop to think about it, they're all earthbound. They are finite. When your life ends, they end. And there has to be more to life than this. Most people are conscious of the fact there has to be more to life. You know, Jesus made a comment on earthbound goals, aims and ambitions. Jesus said this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, that reading from Ecclesiastes was written from the perspective of Solomon, king of Israel. Solomon had achieved all his ambitions, and he'd enjoyed as much power, prestige, pleasure, and luxury as any human being has a right to expect. And he'd certainly been married a lot more than most of us would ever dream of getting married. Ecclesiastes is a reflection on human achievement and the meaning of life It was written either by Solomon or by a later author, writing as Solomon, as a reflection on meaning, and Solomon is a good example. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? I've seen all the things that are done under the sun, all of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And that phrase, chasing after the wind, becomes a a repetitious theme in Ecclesiastes. And it's this consistent theme about earthbound ambitions, earthbound treasures, earthbound pleasures that do not last, and the feeling that there has to be something more. And you know right at the heart of ecclesiastes there's a little jewel just a couplet of sentences in ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 it says he has made everything beautiful in its time he has also set eternity in the human heart all the things of this world are beautiful in their time but they have a time they end but he has set eternity in the human heart every hu- every single human being has a sense that there is more to life than this eternity in the human heart is a longing for communion with god our creator and to me this is the heart of ecclesiastes it's the answer to all of these other questions it's a key insight into the human condition it explains why everything else is meaningless, meaningless, a chasing after wind, compared to finding a relationship with God, our Creator. You know, C.S. Lewis said something parallel or similar to, similar to this in a way. He said, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, The most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Just think about that. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Saint Augustine in his Confessions, said another memorable phrase. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. The same sort of thought coming out. Actually, we were made for God, and until we find Him, we're restless. Because our primary purpose in life, the purpose for which we were made, is to come to know God, to know Him as our Creator, as our Father, as our Lord. As our saviour as our comforter and helper to love him to serve him to worship him and to walk in close fellowship with him all of our lives that is our primary purpose the primary purpose for every single human being and if we surrender our rebellious wills to him if we accept the free gift of forgiveness and reconciliation that Jesus made possible through his death and his resurrection he will fill us with his Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and to show us more about the purpose for which we are made the Holy Spirit is our, our guide the Holy Spirit reveals our purpose for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do Do you know that from before you were born, God already had a plan of things that he wants you to do, things that you were uniquely designed to do, a task that only you were designed to achieve. So let me ask you another question. Have you come into that personal relationship with God as your father? Have you found forgiveness and freedom through Jesus as your saviour? Have you been filled with power and purpose through the Holy Spirit as your comforter and helper? Have you discovered your unique purpose in life, your special task, the reason you were born? And actually, you know, I've realized that actually... It can go through different phases during your life you can have one task for part of your life and then it moves on to a different one and then that morphs into another one but actually all of it is part of God's plan so if you want to explore all of this a bit more I've got a suggestion why don't you come on alpha alpha is a great place to ask questions discuss issues, and explore the meaning of life. And even more good news is that Alpha is going to run in this parish starting in about a week and a half. So, as Nate mentioned, Wednesday evening, the 19th, evening Alpha starts. Thursday morning, the 20th, morning Alpha starts. In here, and if you're interested, it would be a good idea to sign up on the website, or, if you've got someone that you want thinking, you want to invite, get them to sign up on the website, and if they uh, would prefer that you come and do it with them, great, both of you come and do it. Now, there may be some of you here this morning, sitting here thinking, "That's fine. I've been there. I've done that. I've come to know God. I've discovered my purpose, and I'm getting on with doing it. So I don't need to think about Alpha." well if that's you let me ask you this question have you also considered that the primary task of every Christian is to be a witness for Jesus there are Christians who are so concerned with the busyness of this life with all that they have to do all that they hope to do all that they want to accomplish that they've stopped being concerned about being a witness for Jesus you know in the parable of the sower jesus talks about christians who've become too preoccupied with the concerns of this world they are like seed sown among thorns they hear the word but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful You know I've realized that unfruitfulness is a big issue for Christians in the affluent West it's very easy to become so busy that we lose perspective you know whatever our different purposes tasks and responsibilities the common task for all Christians is to make Jesus known and if you're not sure about that let me remind you of Jesus final instructions to his disciples jesus said this all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age this is our common task the task for every follower of Jesus. Just before he ascended to the Father, Jesus promised us help and power to complete the task. He said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you know, from that time onward, faithful disciples. Equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit have taken the good news of Jesus to every country on the planet Every country on the planet has had the good news preached and Countless millions of people have put their faith in Jesus and they've come to know God as their creator Father Savior comforter and helper from those 12 disciples originally in Galilee There are now over 2 billion people around the world who would call themselves Christians, and it's because Christians have been faithful in being a witness to Jesus. And you know, the fruitful Christian life is about being witnesses, making disciples, and teaching them to obey Jesus. And actually, I know that being a witness for Jesus can be a pretty scary thing in the skeptical climate in which we live here in Britain in the 21st century. But the good news is we're not likely to be martyred for our faith. But there are Christians all around the world who are being martyred for their faith and for their stand for Jesus. You know, some years ago, God God gave me the opportunity to run Alpha in our local parish church in walton on thames And when I did it, I ran it for quite a few years, about 19 years or so, Um, I saw lives being changed. You know, Alpha is probably the most exciting thing and most fun thing I've ever done as a Christian because when you see people's lives being changed, it is a real buzz, okay? Um, but more than that I saw the church being changed gradually the church changed and I realized that Alpha is a unique and special gift from God to us for such a time as this it is amazing the way Alpha works and it's worked across the world and you know To me, I've come to realize that the mark of a healthy church is where you see people reaching out to their friends, talking to them about Jesus, inviting them to come to church, inviting them to do Alpha. And we have another opportunity this term to be that healthy church and to go out and invite our friends and uh, bring them on Alpha because Alpha is the most effective way that I've ever experienced of making Jesus known in our time. But the whole church needs to get behind it. And there are lots of ways in which you could get involved. First way is that you can pray. You can pray that people hear about Alpha. Pray that they're drawn to come along. And drawn to respond to the good news. Alpha needs prayer, it needs faithful people praying. The second way is you could invite someone you know to come and try Alpha this term. And one of the things I've discovered in running Alpha is it doesn't work if there's no guests. Okay, so we need guests. (laughs) And there's also been some research done by Alpha Central, that the most effective Alpha invitation is not a little leaflet, it's not an advert, it's not a poster, whatever. The most effective Alpha invitation is a personal invitation. It's where one person says to their friend, I've done Alpha, it's really good, you should try it. And they invite their friends. Okay? And the third way you can support Alpha this term is by helping to provide a meal for evening Alpha. Either volunteering to cook a meal for alpha, you know you only need twelve people each to cook one meal and be covered, or volunteering to come and serve and to wash up because we need people again, you only need to do it once a term with this twelve of you, or for volunteering to be the alpha meals coordinator and that 's an amazing task, the alpha meals coordinator it means planning and scheduling delicious meals and having a rotor of people who turn up and actually do the stuff and Last term Kate did a brilliant job of being our alpha meals coordinator But actually they, she, Alf, Kate did a lot of the cooking herself. So we need more volunteers. We need more cooks um, You know, they say too many cooks are not a good thing. They spoil the broth, but actually 12 cooks would be ideal Okay <laughs> so Come and talk to me or um, uh, Nate or Mary or Louise if you've got any queries, if you want more details, if you'd want to help. And just a reminder, Alpha starts in a week and a half. Wednesday the 19th at 7.30, Thursday the 20th at 9.30. Did I say 7.30 for the evening? Yeah. Um, and also, there's there's information on the website. Um, there's a sign-up form. There's on the home page, this can be slightly confusing because you see a question about myrrh. That's actually a question about alpha. So that's the thing to click on. Okay? Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for your love for each one of us. I thank you that you have purposes for each human being that you've created. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to know our purpose and to know the tasks. For which you have called us lord i ask also that you would bring people to this alpha course these alpha courses this term that you'll be at work in people's hearts and that you'd help each one of us to be a witness for you in this world and among our friends i pray this in jesus name amen